This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. There was a team that would be rep- – I mean, that fan base, they, they can they can be tough. They can be a tough take, tough tough pill to swallow there, those Eagle fans. And that's not all they swallow, of course, with the, the whole horse poop thing. But uh, it is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM, ESPN New York, 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. Uh, let's get some more calls in on the Giants, and then we'll uh, start to shift towards the Jets because they got their own things going on. But uh, let's go out to uh, Richard is in Jacksonville. Richard. What's up, Gordon? How you doing, bud? I'm good, man. What's going on? Well, first of all, I'm a Giants fan living in Jacksonville, and I'm have to miss both games today because I'm DJing a wedding. Oh, well, look, when you, know, I took the, you might hey, be able to avoid it and then DVR it, and, and it never works oh, out for me man, that I, way. It's, it's, nah, man, I'm gonna have, it's going to be a mess. But anyhow, I wanted to say a couple things. First of all, on the Giants, I'm a 50-year fan as well. Here's why I don't share the same level of excitement, or not excitement, but confidence uh, you know, relative to the runs okay. we had in 07 or 11. And what it is is I think the 07 and 11 teams were extraordinarily talented teams that through injuries like this team, but also just didn't play particularly well during the year. Really didn't like maximize. Yeah, yeah, they you know they just weren't great. They just didn't maximize. Whereas I feel like Dayball has squeezed like every ounce of talent out of this team possible. So I just don't know how much more upside there is. Although I do like the fact that they are healthy right now. Um, you know, so there is a little difference. It's not quite. I just don't think you could say, oh, because the Giants, you know, always go to the Super Bowl. I mean, I, listen, I would love it, but I'm a little skeptical. Okay. Just because, like I said, just because I don't think they have top-line talent yet, but I think they're going to do great, and I, obviously they have a fighting chance to win, so that's wonderful. On Daniel Jones, respectfully, my brother, I know you're looking for good topics, but the Blake Bortles thing, that, 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 <laughs> that's pushing well, look, it. I mean, it isn't, it isn't, it's not something that happens very often that you, a team turns down a fifth-year option and then well, decides to sign yeah. back. It's only happened one other Let time. Me, I'm I'm on tape like that other guy said early. I was yelling at uh, Peter and David about their you know I I've been a Daniel Jones fan all along. And let me let me explain. I'm going to say to you what I think he is, and then I want you to give me. You can obviously I want your opinion back. Okay. There's five or six quarterbacks right now in the NFL who can just play above the X's and O's and just like flat out do it for you. And we know who's most of those quarterbacks. I don't think he's that. Okay. But I do think he's in that next group of five to ten quarterbacks who put in a good system can absolutely get you a championship. See, haven't we lost the concept that we don't have to have an incredible quarterback to win? You just have to have a good quarterback, especially like like kind of more like the San Francisco model. So I just think, yeah, he's I think he's perfect for what we have, and if we could spend money on other things, you know, with surround him, I think it's going to be great. And then lastly. You know, the years that people are hating on him for, those last couple of years, my brother, he was put into crisis management every time he touched the ball. I just don't know how – I mean, it's not like he forgot how to throw or Saquon Barkley forgot how to run. They were just – I mean, football's the ultimate team sport, and I just don't think there was anybody with him. I mean, you saw the situation Daniel Jones was in. I mean, people were blitzing him. I mean, you know, he had like a quarter of a second before he had to get rid of the ball. So that's that's my take on all that. 
What, right, what yeah. are you thinking? I, I hear you, Richard. Thanks for the phone call. Uh, yeah, uh, but, I mean, what's kind of surprising is that things have turned around to the degree, not just with Daniel Jones, but all the other aspects of the team this quickly as well. The offensive line is significantly better than it's been at any time in the last five years, that he's been able to do this with the, the, the weapons that he has been able to do it with. I mean, that's all part of the upset story. And I know what you're saying about, well, you know, you don't have to have uh, the greatest quarterbacks in the world. You might feel that way, and, and there are examples of it, but generally you have to have that quarterback, right? I mean, you have to have that high-level play at quarterback. And, and the question to me is, is Daniel Jones, do you see him moving forward being a top 15 guy, a top 10 guy? I, I could see – Based on what you've seen here now, I think you, you are leaving open the possibility of him being a top 10 guy because you're thinking, again, he's doing this. He's having this kind of performance. He's turned it around to this degree. And with these kind of weapons, if you are ever able to start to, to really bring in some playmakers on offense outside of, just, uh, outside of just Saquon, then maybe his production will jump up that next level. That is certainly possible. That and that's the that's what the Giants have to weigh beyond this season. Now they're definitely going to keep them. Um, that's not a question to me. But how much of a next? I don't think that you could just stay at this level. You have to keep improving along the way. Uh, let's go to uh, Steve is in Albany. Steve, next up on the Gordon Damer Show. Hey Gordon. Hey Steve. Been a Giants on? fan since I was born. My dad's had season tickets since 1965. I've been God to a football your game. Your father at- did right by you. Oh, yeah. I've been to a Giants game probably since I was four years old, at least two every season. So I just want to make a few points. This team, it's like the tale of three different teams. We had we had a run like the first third of the season, won a lot of games, and then we had a couple injuries. Dory Jackson, uh, the other guy on the ATV, they were out of action for five, six weeks. We lost a few games in between, and then everybody came back to play, and uh, everybody's talking OBJ. We need to sign him. But the best signing we had under the radar was Isaiah Hodgins, that guy's money. And then somewhere along the line, like three weeks ago, Dayball took the train wheels off, and Danny Dimes has been playing better quarterback football than any quarterback in the NFL. Well, I mean, I, I, don't, I, don't, I wouldn't go that far, Steve. I think that, that might be... Who's uh, been playing better the last three weeks, Denham, stat-wise? Well, c- certainly this past week was, was amazing, but you do have to factor in, don't you, that you know the Vikings' defense is, is, is not good. I mean, it was, it was one of the worst... He made all the throws, throughout, throughout the he's, he's got JB receivers. I don't know. You just told me that Hodgins is this great player. I mean... Then which what which is it? Is it he a great player, or is it that Daniel Jones is doing this with nobody? No, he's he's great. I'm just saying. Before that, we won a quite a few games with you know JB receivers. Then Hodgins comes on the scene and turn our team around. All right, Steve. I but, appreciate the phone call. Look, I, I hear you. Um, there's a lot of optimism surrounding the Giants right now. How can there not be? You're in the playoffs. The playoffs were no guarantee at at, um, at times this year. At, at times this year. It did seem like, oh, yeah, we're definitely going to the playoffs. And then you had that slump where you're thinking, oh, oh, it's starting to slip away. But then you get the Washington win the way you do. You beat the Colts. You're in. You, you beat the Vikings. You yeah, know, I get it. I, how could you not? Especially when you're a giant fan. This is, 
That's what I'm saying. Your entire life existence feels this way. So, of course, you're going to think it all works out. And, and who's, to, who's to argue with you? You have the evidence, not me. This is not just something that you're basing on some, some crazy cockamamie thing that you're lining up a crystals on a board or, you know, you're in the, the shed like a beautiful mind. No, this is what your existence has been. So I get it. I, I completely understand why you would, you would expect it to go this way. I completely understand that. How could you not? So, and we will see. That, that's the beauty of sports. We get to find out. This is not one of these sports arguments that we'll never know the answer to. This is one of those ones where it's going to be told to you. You will get to watch it tonight, and we'll get to talk about it for a very long time. Well, unless the Giants win again tonight, and then we'll be talking about the next game. We'll be talking about the NFC Championship game. How are the Giants going to take down the Cowboys? How are the Giants going to take down the 49ers? After disposing of the Eagles. And, and look, you know, this is a giant fan base. To show you how spoiled they are, a couple of years ago they won six games and they were complaining that they didn't get to go, go to the playoffs that year. They're still upset about it. This is what I'm talking about. Do you see? You can't relate to them and they can't relate to you. There's a big separation between being a giant fan and not being a giant fan. And it's a very hard line to cross because of your experience and because of their experience. That's what I do, though. I bring people together. That's what I'm all about, trying to find that common ground. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. I feel like we should just have that bed under the whole show the rest of the way. It's for That is for you, Giant fans, as if you needed anything more to get fired up. You're going to go down to, to Philadelphia. You're going to go down and, and, and beat up on uh, your, your hated rival in the Eagles. You're going to – because right now, think about where the Eagles are at. The Eagles' expectation is now that they are going to have this deep playoff run. They had this unbelievable season. They answered their questions. They made all the smart moves in the offseason. They go out, get A.J. Brown. It opens up the offense. The offense is clicking. No longer do they need to to worry about uh, finding another court. They got their guy. Jalen Hurts is their guy. Plays like an MVP for a good portion of the season. All that type of stuff. So they expect, well, the Giants, we, we beat them twice already. We're going to go, ha- we beat them all the time. That's what we do. I think it's like 10 out of, 10 out of 13 or something. Like, I mean, they, they've owned the Giants here the last few years. They beat them twice already. They look at the Giants as just some little speed bump along the way. This is going to be our first win, and then we're going to go to the championship game. We're going to do this because, I mean, speaking of miracles, I mean, look at the, 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 the Super Bowl run they had a few years ago. Backup quarterback comes in. Oh, G- Giants did that too. But you know what I'm saying? Like uh, they think that this is going to be their deep playoff run, and, and that the Giants, Giants aren't going to take care of us. When we played the Gi- we played the Giants a couple of weeks ago with our quarterback basically with one arm behind his back, and we beat the Giants. Now with the Giants backups, all those type of things. But they th- that's what they think. That's what they're going through right now. So they're looking at. Um, they're looking at this Giants team as just a little speed. Is this uh, have we have we verified the caller, um, Jacob? Come on with me here for a second. Have we verified? I that mean, this is the person who he says he is. I mean, he says he is. I'm gonna take him for his word. I don't know. I, I don't know if we do that though. You have to be able to craft some sort of question. <sighs> You're because, right. I mean, this is someone who but, had one of the biggest plays in one of the Giants Super Bowl runs. So in, in their history, do you want to vet him out on air? I mean, if he, I don't if know he's... if I have the ability to do that, but let's go to the caller. This this person says he is Leonard Marshall. Obviously, Giant fans should not need to know who Leonard Marshall is. Leonard, are you there? That's I'm here, buddy. 
How are you, Leonard? I'm doing wonderful this Saturday. How are you guys doing? I'm good. Let's go, Big Blue. All right. Now, I, you have to. You would, uh, Leonard had the you know the hit on Joe Montana that I was just watching earlier today. I mean, is there a day that goes by, Leonard, that you do not hear about that hit? You know, my neighbors, are, my neighbors where I live, I live in Central Jersey. My neighbors love it. One of my neighbors called me this morning. He, he you know, he, he made the comment this morning. I told him I was having a conversation with Carl Banks two weeks ago. He and I did an appearance uh, in New Jersey together. And we were doing a comparison in terms of looking at this team, which reminds me of the 1984 Giants, a team that was trying to win, uh, a team that I was part of, and a big win that we got on the road in L.A. playing the Rams. And my play that won the game for us by tackling Dwayne Crutchfield for a nine-yard loss in the backfield. And then we looked at this game the same way we looked at the 49er game. We were a team of destiny in in 1990. Lawrence Taylor held out a training camp. I held out a training camp. We go ten. We go ten and zero for ten weeks. We meet the Forty ers We lose seven to three in Monday night. Yeah. And then we turn Monday around and we night. told them. Before, yep. And we told them before we left, Gordon, you're going to see us again, boys. But the next time you see us, we're going to be better. And this team reminds me of that team because this is a team that seems like they're starting to gel and believe in each other. Yeah, I mean, how could you not, right? And that was the, was that the game that that Sims got into it with Ronnie Lott? Like after the game, they were going jawing after each other, right? That was the same game. Yeah, the the, the Sims Ronnie Lott game was it was it was the seven uh, three game, and, and and that's the game where Jerry Rice catches a pass while sliding in the end zone underneath Mark Collins, and I got my hand, I'm sticking my hand out to try to swipe the ball from Montana, but somehow he side on the arm, side on the ball in for a touchdown, so we took that. And let that be our motivation when we start him again in that place. And it just so happened that they were going for three P and it was yeah. our mission to beat that ass because Jim Burt was now a forty nine er. Jim Burt was now a forty nine er. He was no longer a giant. Right. So he defected and went to the enemy. So we wanted to show them that we were the better football team and I think we did that that day. Yeah, that was the great Pat Summerall line when the the field goal at the end there. There will be no three P. So, um, so, so, so <laughs> that when was you, a great line. Yeah, I mean, Pat Summerall was the best, and, and you know, to, for him to have like the perfect, you know, it didn't have to be all that wordy. It was just the, uh, that was the perfect way to sum it up. Um, do you that now, when you line. see this Giants defense, the way that it's kind of um, emerged here over the course of the season, Leonard? What what uh, stands out most to you? I tell you, the play of Dexter Lawrence reminds me of a young me. Um, the play of Dexter Lawrence reminds me of a young me. I, I, I love the fact that they have edge rushers now. Kayvon Thibodeau is going to be an amazing player. He won't be Lawrence, and don't try to compare him to Lawrence. You know, someday he'll be in the Mount Rushmore with Michael Strahan, Lawrence Taylor, and myself, and Justin Tuck, and Keith Hamilton, and O.C. Humanure, and some of the other greats that wore this uniform. Uh, but, I, I, you know, I just like – you know, Leonard Williams, I've always liked him. I liked him as a Jet when my teammate Pepper Johnson coached him. And I like him now in blue uh, a lot better. And uh, I think he helps sew up uh, some of the things that Dexter is being able to do uh, by having double, double, you know, guys double-teaming him sometimes. And then some guys double-teaming Dexter sometimes. But it just seems like Dexter, like, becomes a forklift. And he just picks guys up and walks them back to the quarterback. And I love watching it. I really do. 
All right, Leonard, uh, I'll, I'll let you get ready for the game. What's, uh, give me a final score for the, for the Giants tonight. You know what? That's tough, Gordon. I, you know, I, I'll tell you this. Offense wins games. Defense wins championships. I think the play of the offensive and defensive line of both the Giants and the Eagles are going to be the tail of the tape. But for some reason, I'm starting to believe, Gordon, I believe these guys have a chance to win, really win this football game. Of course it's you do. To, You've lived it. Of course, why wouldn't you think that? Yeah, You're part of these yeah, I, runs. I, You've been inside it. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's one thing, Gordon, to talk from my heart, and my heart, you know, bleeds blue. But, you know, for some reason, I really believe that we got a fighting chance. And Brian Dable and his staff have done a great job. And it's great hire for John Mara and the New York Giants. Well, Leonard, thank you very much for calling us. We've—I uh, don't believe we've ever talked before, but uh, thank you very much and enjoy the game tonight, my friend. And there's the great Leonard Marshall. Used to go on—he uh, used to go on with the Howard Stern show all the time, and now he's going on our show. So I don't know how that—that <laughs> that doesn't doesn't speak well for Marshall's, uh, you know, listening choices. It's it's dropped off a little bit since then, but uh, the great Leonard Marshall, and uh, he was one of the great. And that hit—I've I've seen that hit uh, about 15 times today. And, um, I mean, the amount of um, – how much would he be fined for that hit today? Oh, my God, roughing the quarterback. That was nothing back then. That was – and that's one of the great plays in the history of, uh, of giant history. And they've had a lot of great plays, but that Leonard Marshall hit to, um, to Joe Montana in 90. Woof, what, a, what an absolute uh, leveling that was. And uh, Giants go on and get that win. And, of course, as I said, the great Pat Summerall line, there will be no three-peat. Giants going into San Francisco, and, and, and again, what I'm talking about, right? The Niners were going, they, they were the team of the decade. They had beaten the Giants earlier that season. They were at home. They had Joe Montana. They got all these superstars, and the Giants go in there and pull off the win. So for Leonard to say he's starting to believe, court, why wouldn't, why wouldn't he believe? This is his existence, and he's been part. This is not just somebody sitting on the couch. This is somebody who's been part of it, and you watch that play. He's blocked on that play. He's knocked down. He gets up off the ground, gets stays in the play, kind of stumbles a little bit at first, and then absolutely levels Joe Montana. So the great Leonard Marshall. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. 1-800-919-37. I was going to quiz him on, like, where'd you go to school? What was the last team? But it seemed pretty early on that it was clearly Leonard Marshall. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. Taking your phone calls at 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. I should say, we'll do our picks at, at 6 o'clock. I am on uh, the Jaguars in this game that's just about to kick off right now. Uh, the latest line was 9.5, so I'll take Jacksonville plus the 9.5. We're not going to get into it too much here. But, uh, you know, when you have been as accurate as I have been throughout the course of the season, you know, this is not like other shows. They make their picks and, and they do what they do. Uh, this, is, this is the home of the Cover 5 champion. And I've actually, I'm actually been toying with people when you call up uh, at 1-800-919-ESPN referring to me as Cover 5 champion. It's a little wordy, though. You know, Gordon just kind of flows a little bit easier, but uh, I'm not going to make you do that. If you do it, you might get a little bit more time. I'll, I'll, I, I, look, who, who doesn't like a little flattery? So if you call up at 1-800-919-ESPN telephone number and you say, uh, Cover 5 champion, Gordon you might get a little bit more time in your phone call. Otherwise, you know, if you just go right into what your point is, which is also good, subliminally, I might hit the the, the off button a little quicker. Just me. 
All right, let's get into uh, the Jets a little bit. We'll continue to take your phone calls on the Giants, too, and we'll keep our eye on this Jacksonville-Kansas City game. But there's no other way to put it. This has to be a horrible postseason for Jet fans. First, I, the, the obvious, you thought you were going to be part of it for a good part of the, part of the season, and you're not. And then, obviously, the next thing is you got to watch the Giants doing what you feel like you should have been doing. But then it's almost like every game there's something that kind of ties into the Jets. It'd be it uh, Trevor Lawrence, right? He should be yours. You, you thought you were getting, you thought here's our year, we're gonna get Trevor Lawrence, and then things went sideways, and you and you did, you weren't able to get him because you had the second pick as opposed to the first or the 49ers. I mean, they can find a rookie seventh round rookie and let him play quarterback. And oh, look at that! We just so happen to have our long term solution at quarterback. And, and look, with the Jets, you got to get into the offensive coordinator spot. You got to get into the quarterback, and we got to get into the athletic article. Uh, the Jets now, are they one of 13 teams? I mean, like, what is it? Like 40% of the NFL is looking for offensive coordinators. If this doesn't shout out to everybody, if it didn't already, like, yes, when you hire a head coach, hire an offensive guy. Unless you're getting Bill Belichick, hire an offensive guy. Because if you don't hire, if you hire the defensive guy, and you could have the greatest play caller in the world. If he is the greatest play caller in the world, guess what? He's leaving. He's gonna, you're going to get him for one year, and then you're going to have to start over all again. So when you line up the teams that are now looking for offensive coordinators this year, I just don't see how the Jets are not at the bottom of the list or near the bottom of the list. Because even teams that are significantly less talented than the Jets, I would think if I'm an offensive coordinating candidate this year, if I'm the hot name, if I'm not the hot name, I want to go somewhere where I know I got a quarterback. Because if I don't have a quarterback, it really doesn't matter what kind of offensive play caller or offensive schemer or offensive coordinator I am. Um, I, I would like to have some offensive talent to surround the quarterback with, an offensive line, some receivers, some playmakers, all that type of stuff. And then the other thing that I would think that would have to play a part of it, if this is my career, what are the expectations? Where are they? Where is this team at in the process of, of building something? And when you take a look, there, I don't know that there's any situation that's worse than the Jets. Like, take the Chargers, right? I think everybody would agree the Chargers is probably the most targeted one of the teams looking for offensive coordinators because they have very high talent, but they do have very high expectations. They have to win a playoff game next year. Otherwise, the coach very well might be gone. There might be a change at the top, and that change very well might include you. And if you're not winning a playoff game, uh, I think that you know maybe the offense might be a big reason why. So you have the Chargers job that I think everybody would put in, at the top of the list. But, you know, the Rams, the same thing. Ravens, if, if Lamar Jackson's back, and he's going to have a say in who's going to get that job. So you have the, the high talent, high expectations. So you're willing to make that trade because you have the high talent. Then you have the group that's low talent but low expectations. Houston. I don't know that there's a lot. Whoever's going to get that job, they're going to need some time. That's why it was unfair that, you know, Lovey Smith got uh, fired when he did because anybody taking that job, and even the guy before him, anybody taking that job kind of have to expect that it's, it's not going to turn around in one year. But Houston has the second pick in the draft. You would think that they're going to be able to get their quarterback of the future. And they will start building something. The Colts also, not a real good situation, but they're picking fourth. Should probably be able to get their long-term solution at quarterback and finally deal 
for once and for all with the loss of Andrew Luck. The Cardinals, I don't know that they have um, high expectations. They have higher expectations than Houston and the Colts, but they have some talent, and they have the third pick in the draft. So that kind of works out well for them as well. The problem for the Jets is the Jets have no quarterback, an offensive line with problems. They do have some talent, but they also have very high expectations. The Jets, whether anybody within the organization, within whether anybody in Florham Park wants to admit it or not, they have to make the playoffs next year. Now, if they made the playoffs and lost, at least they'd be in the playoffs. That probably will get, it depends on how it breaks down, but you would think that might get the pressure off the, 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 the head coach. But as you're sitting here right now, given the, the situation that they're, they're dealing with, with no quarterback, an offensive line that still needs some, some significant upgrades, uh, some talent on offense, I really like, obviously, who doesn't like Garrett Wilson? But you have Brees Hall, who is coming back, but he's coming back from a torn ACL. Usually takes two years to come back from that. Uh, I don't know that the, the – I think that everybody who was a Jet fan looks at their talent. Oh, wow, look at that. Oh, all the talent they have. I think you could probably make that argument for all the teams looking for offensive coordinators. That they have – I mean, like the commanders. To me, the commanders are at the bottom of the list because they have no quarterback. Now, they do have some talent on offense, though. They have some skilled position players, but I, if I had any other options other than Washington, I would take up – I would go with that option because we've kind of seen just what a, a dumpster fire the commanders are with that, with that owner. So if you're an offensive coordinator and you have options, why are you picking the Jets and those elevated expectations based on a veteran quarterback because you can't, you can't draft anybody in the first round, so you're not going to get any wiggle room there of, oh, it's going to take – a little bit longer, and then I don't think it's going to be part of the, the the question. But who knows with the Jets is the Zach Wilson problem. To me, whoever the next offensive coordinator is, I don't think that he should have really any um, responsibilities to make sure that Zach Wilson is brought along. Because to me, at this point, you're holding on to him because he was the second overall pick, and I don't really expect anything out of him from this point on. If you do, great. If you don't. So be it. But I don't know that the organization agrees with that. I think they probably do. But if the organization expects the next guy to salvage Zach Wilson in some way, who boy. I mean, what else can we throw on the fire? What else can we – where's another log that we can throw on this raging fire of the things that we have to address for this next guy who takes on one of – you'd have to say, outside of managers – the most lightning rod of a position here in New York. Think about if you're a Jet fan, all the different offensive coordinators people have called up and yelled about through the years, from from Mike Heimerdinger to Paul Hackett to, uh, I mean, it, it's been a long list. Brian Schottenheimer. It's been a long list of guys who have come into that job and have not succeeded. So to me, the good news, the one silver lining, if I'm a Jet fan, is the next offensive coordinator does not matter nearly as much as who you're getting at quarterback. You have to be able to get the quarterback, get the right quarterback, and then the offensive coordinator will be secondary to that, somebody who's going to be able to work with the quarterback. And there are options out there at quarterback who are certainly more, uh, at worst-case scenario, will come in and be a stopgap that will allow you to get some production out of the position where you really weren't getting any position bef uh, any production before. And if it's true that the talent is so high up as some people would have you believe with the Jets, well then, 
you get the right quarterback, there should, there's no reason why you should not have some level of success. And the level of success you have to have is you got to make the playoffs next year. All right, let's go back to the phones. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. 1-800-919-3776. Let's go out to, uh, let's hear, Ira is in Staten Island. Ira, what's going on, my friend? Hey, Gordon, good afternoon, and how are you? And before I get to the Jet stuff, while I do give the Giants credit, they deserve everything they're getting, um, I, I just can't help but be envy and be jealous of what they do. And like, like you spelled it out for the first hour, not only are they going to beat the Eagles, I totally expect them to be playing in Arizona in the Super Bowl. <laughs> that's, just, that's just the way it works for the Giants. It is it's how just, it works. You know, it, it is. It's just like you get up and brush your teeth. It's the same thing. The Giants have a you know a stretch of bad years, then they win a playoff game, and then all of a sudden you knock on the door and they're at the Super Bowl. So you know we'll, we'll see what happens. When you but, watch yeah, them I, I, do I, it, Ira, it seems so simple, right? When you watch the Giants do it, you're like, that's so simple. They just got in the playoffs, they upset one team, and then and then they're going to the Super Bowl. It's amazing how it works out for them. It, it really does. And 54 years later, I'm still waiting for the next year. <laughs> right. but, so but, 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 but with that, with that said, um, it, it, I, unless you get a guy like Frank Wright and he takes the job because he knows he'll be the head coach next year, they're not, who are they going to get? The hackers going to end up being the coordinator because they're gonna, they, get, they have to go with a veteran. There's nobody else out there. He's desperate. He has to take a job. Okay. Now the Derek Carr thing, I'm getting nervous because now other teams seem to be getting in the mix. And if I'm Derek Carr, his brother already has come out on NFL Network and said that he wants to go to a stable situation with a, with a stable coaching situation. So why would he pick the Jets knowing that if Salah don't get him to, to the playoffs, he's going to be changing head coaches. So it's a, a never-ending revolving door over there with coaches, coordinators, quarterbacks, and Zach Wilson. And while I was on board getting him, I, he's got to be one of the all-time biggest busts as a quarterback with the second pick in the draft. You know, it, it's just it, it, I just can't believe how, how bad he turned out. You want to blame the Jets, you want to blame him. It's a combination of both. Um, I, I hope they get this right. It's just I, I just don't see it. Like you said, what coordinator is going to take this job knowing that Sal is probably going to be one and done? Yeah, that's the problem, Ira, and thanks for the phone call. It does seem, uh, and, and, and Ira laid it out, you have to go out there and get somebody who has experience in this job unless you know you're getting a quarterback who doesn't require that. Unless you have a quarter, you're going out and getting a high-level quarterback, top-of-the-field quarterback, who says, you know what, I can work with this person or that person, or it doesn't have to be some veteran play caller who's got experience in the position. And there would be a couple of guys who might be available this offseason that would fit that bill. I think Lamar Jackson might be able to fit that bill. I think Aaron Rodgers would be able to fit that bill. And, and, and I'm not making it out like it's easy for the Jets to go get either of those guys either because of the uncertainty. See, this is what happens when, remember the season ended, and there was all this talk, oh, Salah going to be back. Fans don't want Salah back. And it seemed preposterous. But this is the position you now find yourself in when you can kind of smell a little blood in the water, right? Like the instability of, of the job and the instability of, of the situation, it does not exactly appeal to people unless you have no other options. And I would think for Hackett, I don't know. I mean, he, he, has a, he has a contract. Uh, he, he's still getting paid to be a head coach. I don't know necessarily that he has to take a job. I don't think that he has to be out there and say, oh, i got to get an offensive coordinator job somewhere. Otherwise, 
uh, I'm going to have to get a, a real job. He's, he's getting paid for the next, I don't know what his contract was with Denver, but I'm sure he's, he's, he's locked in for a little while. He's locked in for a little while. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. Chiefs have jumped out to a quick 7-0 lead. So that plus 9.5. See, I hate, I hate betting against the Chiefs because you feel like, remember uh, Boogie Nights? Philip Seymour Hoffman's character in Boogie Nights where he, 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 he gets his, the, the, uh, the car and he shows it to uh, Dirk Diggler. And Dirk Diggler, you know, the thing that happens there. And then he's sitting in the car and he's like, idiot, stupid idiot, stupid idiot. That's the way I feel like when I bet against the Chiefs and they get a touchdown on the opening drive. Of, cor- of course they got a touchdown on the opening. Of course they threw a, a ball to Travis Kelsey and he scored a touchdown. Of course. But I, I'm, on the, I'm on Jacksonville plus the nine and a half. And Jacksonville is driving, so let's see what Trevor Lawrence has got. And uh, if, if Trevor, Trevor Lawrence, 37-0 in his career on Saturdays, does not lose on Saturdays. Another stat that you should know, he's never played the Chiefs on Saturday. <laughs> so I, expect, I don't expect him to win the game, but ima- oh boy, the, the hoopla surrounding Trevor Lawrence. He goes into Kansas City and knocks off the Chiefs. Oh my God, that would be Unbelievable. And, and, a, and a horrendously bad offseason for the Jets would get just that little bit worse because this was you were it was all lined up until it wasn't until it wasn't. Uh, all right. One eight hundred nine one nine ESPN is the telephone number. Let's get a couple more calls in here. Lonnie is on Long Island. Lonnie's waited a long time. Lonnie, what's going on, my man? What's up, champion? Damon, how are you, sir? There you go. Cover five champion. Yes, this is how I like to be referred Cover to. Lonnie. Five go ahead. Champion. Yes, sir. All right, you, got, you got until the yeah, top everything. of the hour. Go ahead. Okay, I got a couple of things. I got Trevor Lawrence should have been our quarterback. We know that, and I'm still upset about it. Of course, you should. But anyway, the Jets, the Jets need to get a quarterback. That should be everything. And in the draft, we should get some linemen too. But that should be our number one priority. Get a. I'll even take Carr at this point, even though he might not want to come. But I'll take him. But if we can get that bad man out of Green Bay, oh man, I'll give the house away to get him. But yeah, that's uh, one other name, thing, Lonnie. this is not a, a jet thing. This is a basketball thing. Okay. How long did it take LeBron James to get to where he is? Kareem played college ball, uh, and LeBron came right out of high school. So how many years is LeBron? It's 20 years. How long did it take Kareem to get to that scoring point? That's a question that I want to ask you, Mr. D. Uh, All right. That would be a better question for uh, for Google, um, but uh, I could certainly Google that up. I don't know how many uh, years off the top of my head that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar played. Is that is that the question? You you want to know how how many yes. years he played? Yeah. How many years did How many years did Jabbar play? And and how many years did it take LeBron to catch him? Because Kareem played at UCLA College. Yes. Yep. LeBron absolutely. Went, you know, he came right out of high school. So, sure. I mean, is that a fair? Is that fair to say? I mean, how long did it take him? It, we it know feel, LeBron. It feels is, like it's a way is, to kind of get to to knock uh, LeBron down a little bit. It feels like going in, you're you're already um, uh, LeBron. Uh, no, me, Kareem just, played twenty years. Yes. Okay. Okay. So, all right, twenty years. So let's see how long it takes him to catch him. And now that and Michael Jordan, my favorite player out of all of them. Then Dr. J next. So those are my two. And then I I like Pistol Pete. That's my third. So, all right. All right, Lonnie. Well, thank you. All right. Let's go for the Jets, baby. Go Jets, Danny. Go Go Jets. Jets. All right. Yeah, well, they're going someplace. Uh, They they got all the time in the world to go there. 
<laughs> they got not, they got nothing else to do today. That's for sure. And but I will say this: Lonnie's right. The 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 number one guy that the Jets should be targeting is absolutely Aaron Rodgers. Now I don't know whether or not they can get him. I don't know if if Aaron Rodgers would have any interest in, in, in coming to the Jets. It seems like that the more that goes by, it seems like there will be a trade. Adam Schefter, I think this was from earlier today, talking about uh, the Aaron Rodgers situation. Here's Schefter. Aaron Rodgers' future is the subject of much speculation, but make no mistake, both sides are fully aware that a trade is a very real scenario this offseason for Aaron Rodgers. The Packers are expected to move on from certain players, which Aaron Rodgers probably will not like. The issue here will be the $110 million left on his contract and which team could afford it. But there is a real possibility that at some point this offseason, Aaron Rodgers is going to be traded. All right, so there you go. There's Adam Schefter talking about uh, Aaron Rodgers, it looks like. And it did, it, it, ever since he got that contract worked out before this past year, it felt like he was going back there for one more year and then somehow for – and I'm not going to tell you I know all the ins and outs of the salary cap, but based on what you see and what you read, the fact he's got like $60 million on the table, the amount of money that's already been paid to him, his cap hit if he stays there is just outrageous and un- untenable, that he is going to be playing somewhere else next year. And the fact that he has all this guaranteed money, he will be playing somewhere next year because while he might be strange, he's not nuts. So if I'm the Jets, there's no question. You know, Derek Carr, Jimmy Garoppolo, Lamar Jackson, Aaron Rodgers. Which one of these is not like the others? Yeah, it's Aaron Rodgers, even at his age, even at 39. And I I like that as well because two things. A, he comes in and he tells you what's up. It doesn't matter who the offensive coordinator. He's basically the offensive coordinator. And the goal should never – it seems like the appeal of, like, Derek Carr or Jimmy Garoppolo is this appeal of, well, you know, we just need somebody to come in and be competent at quarterback. Well, I'm not telling you that competency is not good, but that shouldn't be the goal. That should never be the goal, especially if there, there are elite players at that position – and while he might not be the same guy he was a couple of years ago, he's still pretty elite. He's still pretty good. He would still come in and, uh, to me, be better than anybody else who is getting mentioned in, in terms of, of, of being available either free agency or trade or wh- whatever this, the like. And it kind of goes back to the, the owner because the owner said he's willing to spend for the missing piece. Well, here you go. It's a very expensive piece. It's going to cost you quite a bit. But go get him, and you would. If you're telling me that you look at this team as close to being ready to roll, like not just a playoff appearance, but a playoff run, and you're all you're missing is the quarterback. Well, that's a big thing to be missing. But here you go. Here's a way for you to go get the quarterback. And you've had all these draft picks, and and you still haven't made the playoffs. So if you have to package a couple of them away to go get the most important piece of the puzzle being the quarterback and go do that. And here's another part of it is I don't think you can ever get anything out of Zach Wilson, but part of the thing that people say about the quarterback when the Jets Jets draft guys, well, you got to have them sit for a while. Well, if Aaron Rodgers is your quarterback for next year and the following year, well, then you could let Zach Wilson sit there. You can let somebody else sit there and kind of learn the position behind him. 
And then, but you've got to have that one main piece who's who's holding down the position. Because if you simply draft somebody high up in the draft and you're a bad team, you can't just keep that guy on the bench for years and years if you're continuing to go out and lose games. So to me, it's crystal clear who the Jets should go out and get, and it would be Aaron Rodgers. This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN.